car was over there. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. And welcome to the show, everybody. Seth, Seth Gaiman, Sean Palmer, Sean Palmer here. Seth Gaiman's obviously fiddling with his phone in New York, probably getting into the car at this point. Seth, how you there doing you today? Uh, pretty well. Uh, I took the uh, U.S. women's soccer team giving 12 and a half, so I'm feeling pretty good about myself right now. Well, I would, too. I was rather... Uh, Look, you can't not be impressed by a 13-0 to zero final score in a soccer game. Uh, but that was – I've never seen a demolishment like that. It was the highest uh, goal differential in any one game. And if nothing else, you know the U.S. has the tiebreaker. Wow, that didn't well. even elicit a last. That didn't even list it a lot. No, because because it, I literally went into my speed, went into uh, what do you call it, my Bluetooth the second you you said whatever you said. So I have no idea what you said. Uh, I said if nothing else, the U.S. has the tiebreaker. Most yeah. There's your laugh. Yes, they do. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So I know nothing about the U.S. World Cup, uh, particularly the women, let alone the men. Uh, obviously the the women are the favorites, if not the co-favorites, right? In this World Cup. Yeah, they're up. Yeah, they're up there with France, who's the host. Uh, England, Canada are pretty good. Germany's pretty good. Sweden's pretty good. Um, but they're they're usually one of the top two or three favorites. There's no reason that would change okay. this year. So I read somewhere that the top women's player in the world is not playing in the World Cup for some reason. Now, can you tell me why? Uh, sure. I think she's from Norway. She's from Norway or something. Why yeah. is she not playing? Yeah. Um. Did we? Didn't I try and talk about this a couple of weeks ago? And you kind of said, "Why are we talking about women's soccer?" That may be. That may be. Uh, I am now asking <laughs> you in a different week, in a different time period, and uh, I'm interested. So why is she not playing? Uh, the gist of it, I don't remember the exact, was to protest Norwegian Foundation. I think her name was like Ada. Lumberg, Ada something Berg. Um, in the protest, I think, it, you know, kind of women being treated as second-class citizens in the soccer world. And Norway, you know, kind of perpetuating that myth, although the men's team has always kind of stunk, and the women's team has always been pretty good. I actually think they may have won the first World Cup, if I'm not mistaken, or at least made the finals. So, yeah, so she decided to protest and... There she goes. Okay, so her name is Ada Hegerberg. Uh, okay. She's from Norway. Well, I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. And she plays actually for the professional team Leonis in France. Right, which is so she actually which plays, is which I believe is the best women's team in the world. Okay. I, I believe well, Yeah. Well, you have the you have the best player, so that definitely goes towards that. But, yeah, she's not playing. Would, let me ask you this in, in your limited knowledge of women's soccer. Assuming she did play, would Norway be one of the favorites? Like, is this really I don't think so. I, I don't best? think so. Okay. So it, it would have changed people's views so in that. I think they would have moved on. I mean, I think they would have been closer to being – they would not have been the favorites. I think they would have been seen as more of a contender, obviously, when you have the best player in the world, unless you're the Lakers. That's a natural correlation. Well, we can, we can move on to that if you'd like next. <laughs> and whatever, injury, whatever your heart desires, my friend. The injury heard around – well, desires. you're laughing. You're, you're saying that because you see – my hopes 
and all the Knicks fans' hopes last night just go kablooey in one play. And what I'm talking about is Kevin Durant. And last night, his reportedly tear of his Achilles tendon. Now, there have been reports that it's torn. There have been no confirmation. But quite frankly, it really doesn't matter uh, at this point in that if he has an Achilles tendon injury, he's out for 10. Uh, the, the quickest recovery was Wesley Matthews in seven and a half months, and that would still get you to January or February of next year. And if you're signing Kevin Durant to a four-year contract, in all likelihood, you're, he's not playing next year. I, I wouldn't play him. So you saw all Nick fans just go, oh, crap, here we go again. So, I wonder if this would actually come up with, lead to the surprising development that he picked up his player option. He picked up his option for $30 million. He's a free agent in 2020. And he has time to heal. Well, let me ask you this. That's what I would do. Do you think that, do you think, would you? Would you? Do you think teams are not going to give him max money? I think they probably still will. Okay. So let's assume that they still will, and the Knicks being one of those, and that's $39 million. He picks up his player option for next year at 31 and a half. So you're giving up $7.5 million to rehab. Now, assuming that he's comfortable with the Golden State, I can understand that. But if he's not going to play anyway, what's the difference if he's not going to play for $7.5 million more and get three more years of security? Because if he doesn't sign after this year, you would think that any team that wants to sign him next year is going to want to see him play at some point. Right, at least now I guess you're getting you're getting the concept of hey, we have Kevin Durant coming back. At that point, you're signing somebody fresh off the market. You're going to want him to go through at least one or two workouts, I would think, if you're first going to give him that money at that point. Right now, you know what you're getting. Next year may not be so sure. I think he would get max money. I think the Knicks would certainly still give it to him. I think the Nets would give it to him. I think the Nets would be in a a weaker position to give it to him, given that he will be 32 coming off an, eight, an Achilles injury, and that being one of your one or two slots. Do you have the affordability to wait for Kevin Durant? Well, the other question, this is – and this is what I've been playing with. I haven't had a chance other than the uh, other than the what do you call it the uh, soccer game today. I really haven't had a chance to play too, to 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 watch to read too much. But we're, how does this impact Kyrie? I mean, again, I'm not so not the world's biggest Kyrie fan. But if the Nets are so gung ho on on bringing. Kyrie's not a number one on a championship team. Durant is. You bring in Kyrie with Durant. Does this impact Kyrie at all in regards to people wanting him not as one, but as 1A when there is no one? Well, okay. So so let's talk about a couple of things. First of all, Seth brings up the Nets, and the Nets made a trade last last week. We talked about it briefly, where they traded Alan Crabb and two first-round picks to the Hawks for, is it Toreen Green? I always mess up this guy's last name. Toreen Prince. Toreen Prince. Prince. Toreen Prince. Prince. I did it last week. did it last week, too. So they have the ability to sign Kyrie and, with a, a, a small move, sign Kevin Durant. I have a feeling that Kyrie... Look, yes, and and this all plays into Anthony Davis, right? I mean, you have him in the background, too. And yes, Anthony Davis says, I don't want to go to Brooklyn. 
I want to go to New York, and you did not say Brooklyn. You said New York. Or the Lakers. Right. Now, that's not to say that David Griffin has to give it to him. Heck, yes. He doesn't. He's, right. not behold, he's, not, he's not beholden to him at all. But you're probably not going to get as significant a package as you from Boston or somebody like that if they're merely on a one-year rental with the same type, type of deal that Paul George and uh, sorry, and Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard went through. So if you're David Griffin, he's saying, oh, well, I'm open to two, to two or three teams in this deal. Well, of course he is. Yeah, why if would I'm he? David Griffin, I'd be open. Right, I'd be open to 28 teams in the deal. Let's let's throw the whole NBA in there if I can get the best package. That makes perfect sense. But the Nets are not taking back Solomon Hill into their cap space, and the Knicks and the Lakers could certainly do that. So, if you're the Knicks and you and you say, okay, we're not going to get Kevin Durant if Kyrie comes. Is Kyrie coming if we go get Anthony Davis and not Kevin Durant? Perhaps. I think you're right in that Kyrie is much better a Robin than a Batman. So how many different Batmans are there that he can go to, particularly in free agency? I don't even think the Celtics he'd be Robin. He'd still be Batman. Yes. Yeah, the Lakers and the Knicks. I mean, yeah, that's pretty much it. So it's a it's an awkward awkward situation, and it, look, it was awkward going into this. It's straight just straight out strange now. And I, again, I, I guess when I look at what the Knicks are going to offer, they're going to offer the number three pick. They're going to offer. They don't have. They just. I don't think they have that much. They they have a couple first round picks. Kevin Knox has minimal value. I mean, unless they can make the trade for Capella, which we talked about. I mean, Mitchell Robinson is, you know, is a nice prospect, but you're not. That can't be the cornerstone of an Anthony Davis deal. The Lakers just offer have a better have better have better stuff out there. To me, it makes more sense if I'm new if I'm New Orleans if I can get over, you know, the. Uh, yeah, Miguel Benson. I don't want to trade to the Lakers. Well, there there are a couple of things that you have to get over, and number one being Gail Benson. Number two being, do you view R.J. Barrett as a better prospect than say Darius Garland or or Hunter or DeAndre Hunter, or is the three pick that much more valuable than the four? That goes in there too. Right, Look, I'm not I, speaking from. I'm talking from the play. Yeah, look, Barrett is most likely a better prospect. That I mean, not most likely. Barrett, you know, based on what every scout has stated, is a better prospect than Garland or Culver or DeAndre Hunter, whoever your four is. But there, you know, the Lakers still have four or five other young players. Now, New Orleans may like them, they may not. The Knicks really don't. You know, Dennis Smith. Is a night, you know, I like more than other people do, but he's he can't be the cornerstone of this of this trade. Either can Mitchell Robinson. Knox was nothing special. So realistically, what are you looking at? What you're looking at is who is the best player. If you're looking from from a David Griffin point of view, and look, we're going to talk about this a couple of more weeks, right? I mean, the trade will probably be made right. around the around the draft time, so we have plenty of time to discuss this. But the fact is, who do New Orleans see as long-term the best player? And if they think that it's R.J. Barrett instead of Brandon Ingram well, or Lonzo Ball, you go with the best player, whoever that is. The other thing that comes to mind is that Brandon Ingram is up for an extension next year. Are you willing to give him yeah. fifteen to twenty million dollars if you're New Orleans, or would you rather have an R.J. Barrett, who you have on a rookie contract for three or four years, Dennis Smith, who I believe has one more year and certainly will not be getting fifteen to twenty million dollars, 
You have Kevin Knox on a rookie contract. So contracts have something to do with this. Certainly. I agree. Because the, the whole point is that New Orleans is not in control of Anthony Davis more than one more year. So that's where this all thing. If they were in control of him for three more years, they wouldn't be trading him. They just say, suck up a deal. We're going to keep you. So it's a matter of that as well. Also, does Brandon Ingram fit well with Zion Williamson? You could tell me that better than I know, but to me, they both play roughly the same spot. <laughs> uh, very different players. But I guess the question Agreed. is, yeah, Barrett may be the best Barrett may be the best prospect out of this. But the second, third, fourth, and fifth best players that would be in this deal wouldn't be coming from the Knicks. So Agreed. the question is how now agree, agreed. Ingram going into a contract year plus coming off this injury slash illness slash whatever the heck he has, we don't really know what we're getting. And that's why it's just interesting because neither neither of these teams are really best suited to trade to New Orleans, which is why I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to see a team make a one year run again with him and take their chances because I don't see any other than Barrett the Knicks don't have any great value unless you know unless you know unequivocally they're I mean again they may bring in Irving before this before this is done we don't know. But when can the trade be? The trade is going to be consummated, whoever it's with. I'm assuming prior to the draft. So well, no. When do you Actually, have to re- no at all. Not at all. It's, or is it, it may be because. So that, well, in theory, the not the, in practicality. Okay. The Lakers, if it's so the Lakers, theory, they may be trading, picking for the Pelicans. Yes, correct. Yes, because you're going to need that salary in there, and that salary can't right. happen until the player before signs. the trade is before and the he, draft is done. Yeah, I got you. And he and he can't be traded more. Once he signs, he has to wait. They have to wait 30 days for him to be traded. So the earliest you're going to see that trade occurring is July 20th. But you will see in my opinion, multiple trades being made during this draft. The other thing that the Knicks have that you did not touch upon is two first-round two first-round picks from Dallas, including the 2020 unprotected first-round pick. That's not to say that's the most valuable piece in the world, but unprotected picks are very valuable. And so that is another yeah, but it also, I think way that's down also- the line. First of all, twenty. Yeah, I, I also think if Porzingis is healthy, I'm not sure quite how how valuable that an unprotected Dallas first round pick will be. But I understand your point. Agreed. It's not the twenty. It's also not the 2021 season where you're going to most likely have high school seniors coming out. So no, it, they have it, they have nice. the 2020 and and the 2022, and I believe the 2022. In fact, I know it is. The 2022 is protected 1 through 10. Yeah, but practicality is teams have three years to build before there's rumblings of hirings and firings. I don't, you know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not huge on waiting five years to get a first-round pick when half the time the person making that trade isn't going to be there in the first place what, by, the time that, by the time that draft pick comes into play. So... True. I mean, that's you know, that's nice in theory. But again, I it, as we said, it's interesting that I really don't have much of a feel on any of these. Although I do concede your point of Demarcus Cousins, I may have been overvaluing him a little bit because that dude looks slow. Yep. Yeah, and uh, yep. that's, all, that's all you got. When, <laughs> well, when they swapped out Durant for Cousins last night. Remember, with, with Durant, they were plus six while he was on the floor, and they almost lost the game without him. So he made a wow. – I'm not saying it was totally DeMarcus Cousins' fault, 
But nobody yeah, that's else not the market cousin. Oh, come on. No, I said yeah, but not. Nobody picks up the, the slack with the best player in the NBA. I mean, that's 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 silly. You Whoa, can't go by that. Did you that. really just say that? Wait, did you just say he's the best player in the NBA? Kevin Durant. Yeah, I said it last time. Yeah. I said I can't give you it did. to Kawhi because he plays sixty. Okay. I can't give it to Kawhi because he plays sixty games a year, and Giannis doesn't have the outside game yet to be there. He's the best. Durant's the best player in the league. Okay, so we so now, we watched last night's game. We did. Let's, let's talk did. about last night's game. I did watch last night's game. Let's talk about last night's game. So, do you give the Raptors, do you give the Warriors any shot of winning six and seven here, based on last night? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't see how you, you don't give them a shot. Um, do I think they win six and seven? Probably not. Without Durant, without you know Looney's injured, but that team played with such balls, and there's no other way to say it. That was pure chutzpah, the last three minutes of that game. And to write off a team of Curry, Thompson, and Green, you know, I, I'd be I'd be loath to do so. Do I think they win three in a row? Probably not. Do I, would I write them off? No. Well, here's something definitely to watch from last night's game. And I think it was Van Gundy pointed out. It was Van Gundy that. But the Draymond Green the very, very frustrated Draymond Green got another technical. Man child. I believe that was yeah, I believe that was his sixth technical of the playoffs. He gets one more and he's suspended Wait. for game seven. Yep. So just a, a little subplot to watch because there's no rescinding that. Once that comes down, it doesn't matter whether it's a uh, technical one or a technical two, it's still a technical, and he's done for Game Seven. So I, be, I, I I'm, agree. I'm very, I'm very interested to watch how Game Six unfolds and whether he can keep his lid on because he did such, he's done such a good job over the last five or six games where he, I believe he hasn't gotten a technical. And then last night, you just saw. Granted, it was on a play where he didn't cause the foul, and they caused and they called the foul. But he's he's got to keep it down because yeah. without him, the they have no chance. They have no chance. I agree. But yeah, I think you're about to say that's stunned. what makes him who he is. Yeah, that's exactly what makes him who he is, and why you know. Half the time, well, Kerr, if Kerr would, have, Kerr would have hair like me, you know, I, I'd have no hair if I was coaching him. But, you know, or Kerr should have hair like me. Luckily for him, he doesn't. Um, but that team plays with such guts. And, look, you can say that they threw it away. Nurse the timeout with two and a half minutes to go. I don't know what Kyle Lowry was doing on the 24-second um shot clock violation that they went into really conservative mode but at the end of the day Curry and Thompson hit I mean these are ice cold three pointers for the last two minutes of that game and you know this Toronto is a veteran team now, I don't think per se they're more talented than Golden State but I did not expect that you know once they were up once Kawhi hit that hit that three-pointer, which was just over Cousins, I thought it was done. I really thought it was over. And the way they really relinquished that last, you know, I, I think that'll sit with them through game six. You know, and then, yeah, look, a game seven is a game seven. So it's your opinion that it's your opinion that it's coming back to Toronto? It is. Okay. And at, at this point, I would have Toronto winning, but Toronto had their chance last night. This is not a team that this is not a team that you 
and give open, give up, give give some opportunities to them. So, yeah, yeah. Well, we talked about it last week in that we were wondering who Golden State would have left to play, in that they had lost Booney and they had lost Durant, and they were they lost Clay Thompson, and Clay Thompson comes back and performs admirably, if not in an all-NBA-type fashion. But I wonder about the depth now in Game 6 and Game 7, because you know there's no Durant. It's not even a, it's not even a chance anymore. You know it's not that. And Looney is... Uh, look, I've, I've broken... I, I've had a separated shoulder... I've had problems with my collarbone before. That is not an easy injury to come back from. And certainly he gutted it out last night, but he came out at the end of the game. I wouldn't be surprised if he was not in the game in game six. The rest of the bench stuff is just not good. It's ungood. And I don't mean Cousins, but you, can, you can't play Cousins 30 minutes. You can't play no. him probably You're- even 25 minutes. No, he you can play him about twenty. But you know, Quinn Cook you can get you can get minutes out of Quinn Cook. You can get minutes out of McKinney who was starting in the beginning of the year. Um you can get minutes out of Jaberko. Now I'm not saying you're gonna want to in under normal circumstances, but this is not normal circumstances. And you gotta play with what you got. And at the end of the day, they still have three of the four best players on the court. So to write them off, I mean, you write them off at your own peril. Look, I'm not writing them off. I just think that I think it's going to be over in game six. I I picked it in six games to begin with. I'll keep that six games going. I I believe last two weeks ago I picked Toronto in six. I'll stay with that. Um, I don't think they come back to Toronto, which is a shame because I think Toronto winning in Toronto would have been a lot of fun. And according to your prognostication, that'll happen. So uh, we'd get to see Drake partying on the floor, which would be interesting to say the least. Uh, What did you think of the fans last night? So Durant gets hurt, and I've, I've seen multiple reports about different rationale for why the fans were cheering. One is, well, yeah, it was stupid and Durant's hurt. And you're cheering that their best player's hurt. The other theory, the other side of the coin, is that the fans were watching the play. And the play culminated in a Serge Ibaka slam dunk, or right. was on its way to being a slam dunk. And they were cheering the play, not necessarily cheering any injury whatsoever. Look, if I'm a fan, I, I'm not seeing – on TV, you're focused on it, right? You're focused on who's getting hurt. You're focused on that part of it. But if you're, not a, if you're not watching on TV, you're focused on the play. You're focused on what's going on in the stadium. And I'm not sure I'm – I'm not sure I, I, I won't buy the fact that they were cheering the play on rather than cheering an injury. Because I've, I think I've seen a cheer of an injury once, and that was in Philadelphia, which I think is a totally different ballgame than literally a different ballgame than what you had last night. So I, I, I reject the fact that the Toronto fans, of all fans, look, Canadians are the nicest people in the world outside of Australians, to think that they would cheer an How injury. How about New Yorkers? Well, you know what I think of New Yorkers, and I'm actually one of them. So that's, uh, it's why, it's I, I why you live in Atlanta. Yeah, exactly. But the fact is, I don't think that um, I, 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 I'm selling the fact that they were cheering an injury. What do you think? I'll be honest. I was actually not, for some reason, I was not paying attention. I mean, I saw the injury, obviously. And I, I don't think most sports fans really cheer injuries. I just you don't see it. As you said, you don't really see it that often. 
and I probably tend to agree with you, or at least I hope that's the re- that's the rationale. That'd be pretty freaking pathetic if it's not. Yeah, I would agree. So we have one game six that's occurring later this week, and then we have a game seven that's tonight that, look, we've talked about this multiple times in that hockey gets a raw deal to begin with, but certainly it gets a raw deal when there are no major markets in play. And you got one in Boston, but the other one, St. Louis, eh, not so much a major market outside of St. Louis. So my question to you is, does anybody outside of Boston or St. Louis care that Game 7 is occurring tonight? They do because they don't want to see Boston win. I think people are kind of tired of, just as people were tired of New York 10, years, 10, 15 years ago, I think they're kind of tired of Boston right now. And even though in the Bruins, you know, I've been the small, one of the smaller parts, you know, of the quote-unquote dynasty over the last 10, 15 years. Um, I think the story of St. Louis having not 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 won a, not won a Stanley Cup in four, their 49-year existence, and the idea of Boston winning yet again, regardless of the sport. I think is enough for there to be some interest. It's not going to be a, you know, you're not looking New York, LA, and but with but with no other sporting events really on. I think I think the casual fan will watch. If you'd like to call in seven six zero two eight three zero eight four six seven six zero two eight three zero eight four six, give you a little update on where we are. Next week will be the uh, NBA draft preview. I think it's next week, right? The draft's in two weeks. So the NBA draft preview, for some reason, hold on. No, it's June 20th. So it'll be next June week. June 20th. Right, so it's next week. So next week will be the NBA draft preview. Exactly. So next Tuesday will be our NBA draft preview, and then the following week the tw- uh, we will be doing our free agency preview. And then, of course, June 30th pops up free agency, and it'll be the week of July 4th, and we will be having – I'll be on a train to Maine at that point when we host the show, and we will be uh, doing our recap of what's going on in the, in the free agency and, and where that's going. And it's generally one of our better shows because we are so surprised at what goes on every year. And I remember the year that Durant went to Golden State, you, you and I, I was right. I was taking that call from from Maine in the in the driveway and going, "Oh my God, that actually happened!" Right? I mean, it's a it's a fun yeah, show because did. no matter no matter what Seth and I believe, it never happens. Like, we we can we can yeah. make prognostications, and this year, as Seth said, it's a crapshoot. I mean, you could have. We were talking. We were talking last week that this week we'd come on the air and tell you exactly how much cap room each of these teams has, and I have those figures, but I don't think we really need to go into it just yet. We'll do that a little bit next week and the week after before before the free agency. But just to give you an idea of some of the cap room that's available, the Mavericks have cap room. I mean, cap room for a max player. The Knicks have cap room for a max player. Atlanta, Minnesota, all these teams have cap room for max players. Like, it's insane how much cap room is out there for some of these teams in that the Knicks, in order to hit the luxury tax, have to add $92 million to their cap. The Nets in order to hit the luxury tax, have to hit $92 million for their cap. Like, it's, it's insane. Half the NBA is a free agent this year. And we've been saying, look, we, we've talked about this in earnest, that next year is really the year of free agency with so many high-priced free agents. I don't think that's the case. This year is going to turn a lot of heads as to where – the future of the NBA is, especially in the two conferences, because 
let's assume that Kemba Walker goes to the West and Kyrie Irving goes to the West. Who's left in the East except for Tobias Harris? Who may go to the Nets? But we, are you talking we about from a free agent standpoint, or are you, ta- are you talking from a talent standpoint? I'm, ta- I'm talking from a talent standpoint how much talent could conceivably go from east to west. And right now we believe that the, that the two conferences probably are pretty even at this juncture with the, with the movement that has happened. But it could certainly turn very, very one-sided with what goes on in free agency just this year. You can, because most of the free agents are on the East Coast. Let's assume Kawhi Leonard goes yeah. to the Clippers. Tobias Harris goes somewhere. Kemba Walker goes to the Mavericks. And Kyrie Irving goes to the Lakers. Well, if you want to make an all-star team, come to the East. Because, because pretty much the you're talent looking at has left the building. Because the talent has then left the building. Drogic will make an all-star team from Miami if that happens. Victor Oladipo will make all-star teams. And you may see a couple of rookies make all-star teams too. And I'll tell you one thing, if all that happens and Anthony Davis goes west too, stays in the west, Zion Williamson will never see an all-star game. <laughs> because that west is going to be so packed, it will it'll be funny how packed it actually is with the amount of talent that can go to the other side of the other side of the country. I think Kemba Walker is one of those guys that you want to see stay, but if he does stay, it's going to debilitate the the Hornets so much that you're afraid that if he does. But again, we'll 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 talk about that next week. Let me let me shift gears a little bit to the Subway Series, and it started yesterday for the first time this year. The Yankees play the Mets. And Seth, let me, I, I believe it's at Yankee Stadium. Let me ask you, Seth, do you care? Has it gotten to the no. point that this is irrelevant? No. Oh, yeah, the, the subway series? Yeah, the Mets yeah. are irrelevant. I mean, let's call it what it is. The entire Yankee team has been injured. And they're relevant. The Mets have been the Mets. No, no, I'm I not mean, talking about the team. You're a Mets fan. I, don't, I actually don't. You're talking about the series? Yeah, I'm not talking cares. about the team. I'm talking about, talking the, about the series as a subway series. Yeah. I don't nobody think cares. it has anything to do that the Mets are bad. I think it has everything to do no, that the subway series has ran its course. Right, it's ran its yeah. course. So what do you – so if you're – No, no, I completely, made, I, I completely agree. So what do you do? At this point, what do you do? Do you take? Do you keep it? Do you, if, if you're Rob Manafort, I think it's become ingrained in the younger generation that this is just the way it works, right? So you can't really take it away. But how do you spark interest in a sport besides you shortening can't. the game, and which is the, what, they, what they've tried? You can't. I mean, the, the problem is it is a sport – that generationally has probably passed. It's not, a, it's not a fast sport. It's not a hip sport. It's not a cool sport. It's the old Americana apple pie sport. And that doesn't really work. Um, I, I am not a marketing expert. I leave that to my wife. And look, the seventh game of anything is amazing. And the playoffs are fun. But the idea of a regular season Kansas City Colorado game on ESPN, my God, I would rather watch House Hunters International. And I am not a casual sports fan. So, I mean, unless you are a diehard, it's going to be – it feels like it's on its way to almost becoming a niche sport, which is amazing. And maybe I'm exaggerating it a little bit, but 
I'm not sure what the fan base is at this point. I think it's an older fan base. I, I, I don't think the draw is there. And I don't think, look, you tried, inter, you know, the wild card is kind of a niche, you know, I don't, you know, I, I don't like the one game and done. I mean, I guess it makes it a cooler thing. But to me, if you if you're you're if you're 12 games better than the team behind you, playing a one game doesn't really make a hell of a lot of sense. It doesn't seem particularly fair. Um, I think that this is a thing I've said for years, though. I think they have a problem. The saving grace that they've had is that the teams that have made the World Series are huge, huge media markets. Chicago, L.A., Houston, Boston, although it's not a huge market, has a huge following. New York, you know, the big markets are keeping it alive. You know, I'm not seeing a huge draw if we're looking at Colorado and Tampa Bay this year. Well, I'll tell you, Seth. I, I, uh, Tampa Bay I get, and I'm looking at, I'm looking at the attendance figures. Now, attendance is skewed. Okay, a long time ago when Seth and I were kids, when we were, I think, under the age of 15, the National League and the American League counted attendance differently, which seems asinine when you think about it. The National League would count the bodies in the seats, the people that actually came to the stadium, while the American League would count the tickets sold. And what happened? The American League routinely outpopulated the National League. Well, that only makes sense, right? Because not everybody that buys a ticket comes to the game. You go to the game. Makes perfect sense to me. Right, makes perfect sense to me. So when we were about 20, somebody in Major League Baseball said, this is stupid. We should just keep this normal, and we want to pump up attendance records. So in order to do that, we're going to count it the way the American League does and we're only going to count the tickets that are sold. So this, these stats that I'm going to give you are the, the average attendance, and this is tickets sold. This is not people in the seat. The top, five, the top five teams, let me see how many of those you can get. Top five teams in attendance at home. St. Louis? That's one. You got one. Boston? Nope. One for two. Now, again, I don't really know the size of the stadiums, so that may also play okay, a little so bit of a part. So, correct. Um, Fenway, Cubs, Fenway holds one of the least. The Cubs are number four. Yeah. Okay. The Giants? I'm going to give you – the Giants are number 11. So you get two more two more chances. You okay. got two off. Um, two more chances. Hmm. Houston? No, Houston is number ten. And I guess I'll say the Dodgers. Okay, so the Dodgers are number one. So you got the Dodgers. Okay. So the Dodgers are number one with they're averaging 47,000 people a game. Right. That's got it. That's, that probably surprises you. First of all, by the, by the fact that you and I went to a game and we didn't even get there to the third inning. I wonder if that is yeah. during the fifth inning, how many people were there? No, but we've already established that it's by, by, it's by the amount of seats sold. So it's, right. it's exactly. Dodgers first, St. Louis second, the Yankees third, the Cubs fourth, and the Angels fifth. The Mets are 13th. But, and what you were saying with Tampa Bay, I think you, you were saying Tampa Bay versus who? You said Tampa Bay and I said Colorado. Boston or Colorado. So Colorado is ninth right. in home attendance. Okay. Tampa Bay is 29th. Now, I think a better indicator is actually the average attendance of these teams on the road. I think that's a pretty good indicator. Okay. So these are the followings of these teams. So the Dodgers are number one. The Cubs are two. The Yankees. The Phillies. Yeah. The Philly, nope. No, the Yankees are 11. Really? Average huh. road attendance. The, 
Phillies are the Yankees are eleven. The Phillies are three, which I can understand with Bryce Harper being in that in that that team yeah. at this point. Number four is shocking to me. Number four is Cincinnati. That's just because they're tickets That may be. So Cincinnati home their home is twenty first. They average nineteen thousand people at home. On the road, no. You know what this is? This is the division they play in. They play in the Central, which has the number four team, the number two team, the number eight team. That's what this is. It has nothing. You're right. It's cheap, but it's cheap to go to the game on in stadiums where lots of people go to the game anyway. Right, because the if the Cubs are that high up in in home attendance, and so are the Cardinals, people go to those games anyway, no matter who they're playing. Right, but I'm a little, but I'm still surprised. You're getting in 32 games, the Dodgers have 1.5 million tickets sold. Seth, I don't call that a niche sport. Yeah, but how many people are attending? How many of them are corporate seats as opposed to individuals? It's how not, much does it matter? Like, it does, because to me... To who? The Yankees are a perfect... The Yankees, well, let me make my point. The Yankees are a pretty yep. good example of this. Whatever their, whatever their seats may be, whatever their, their sales are. If you look around the bottom ten rows of any Yankee game... They're empty because it's all corporate seats. They're never used. Dude, you're breaking up. Can't hear a word you're saying. So, one of the one of the examples actually was last night: the Yankees and the Mets. So the games played at Yankee Stadium. And one of my friends, Roberto Mejia, went to the game with his son his one-year-old son. Now, Roberto lives in Elizabeth, New Jersey, or Basking, sorry, Basking Ridge, New Jersey, somewhere around there. So central New Jersey, and he goes to the Yankee game with his one-year-old son. And it's raining. It's raining in New York. And they get to the Hard Rock, which is right outside of Yankee Stadium, and two hours before the game. So they're pre-gaming. How a one-year-old pregames, I assume, is with some very good formula and, and a nap. But they're pregame. They don't cancel the game until 30 minutes before the game. I think that's unconscionable, Seth. I do. And then, in order to exchange the tickets, they have to go wait on this line at Yankee Stadium, which an hour after the game closes. The tickets were good. Now, this is, this is my problem, is the tickets were only good for today's 1 o'clock game. So a 7 o'clock game last night, they, they gave them tickets to a 1 o'clock game today. How are you appealing to people with that kind of refund strategy or exchange strategy? Because, you know, look, my buddy was fortunate enough to be able to take off work and go to the game today. But how many people who brought their children, especially New Yorkers, where kids are still in school, are able to take their kids out of school and enjoy the baseball game between the Mets and Yankees that they have been promised by their parents? I don't think there are that many that are able to do that. I'm sure that Harley no. would not have let you take Jake out of, out of daycare today to go to the Yankees. Uh, but then again, you wouldn't oh, no, have gone actually, last night either. Actually, she would have. Yeah. Actually, she would have. Wait, which... You know what? Would she, she have let you go last night at seven o'clock? With Jake? Yeah, we're going to a game. Oh, huh. okay. At seven o'clock, she would have. So what were you? No, so look, what were you saying before you I, you you got? Before I still fade can't out. hear you. You're still fading out. Uh, okay. Can you can you hear me now? <laughs> yes. Continue on. Okay. What I was saying was, yeah, they, the, the Dodgers may be, have, they have these sales 47,000 seats a game. But let's be honest here. 
they're not. Wow, the feedback is back is harsh. Uh, a lot of these are corporate seats that nobody is using. A lot of it's not people attending the game. It's seats. It's seats that are sold. And when the corporations are selling or buying, I have season tickets, hundreds of seasons of tickets, a season to tickets. That's not a fair reflection. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so I think we got 80% of that. So basically, what Seth was okay, saying is that it's, it doesn't matter that they're, the seats are sold. They're not being filled. And if they're not being filled, yeah. then what's the big difference anyway? Because then they're not baseball fans. They're just corporates. They're corporate, what's the word? Uh, there's a word. Stooges. They're, they're corporate something. Stooges. There you go. Corporate stooges that are just in there. So the fact of the matter is baseball is not – the problem is that baseball is not growing, and every other sport is growing. Baseball has declined 3% in attendance this year, and no matter how, big, how fast you make the game, to me, if you're going to a game – and, Seth, you correct me if I'm wrong here, because to me, I don't care about the length of a game when I'm at the game. I care about the length of the game when I'm home watching it on TV. When I'm at the game, I've devoted my three and a half to four hours to the game. And that's just the way it is. It, it wouldn't matter whether it was sped up another 12 minutes, 18 minutes, or six minutes. I'm not counting minutes when I'm at the game. I'm counting minutes right, when I'm sitting you, at home watching TV. Yes and no. You also have the flexibility and fluidity that you can stay for three or four hours, and it doesn't really matter. Absolutely. Absolutely. If I go to a basketball game, I know within reason it'll run about two and a half. You know, maybe ten minutes one way or the other, but that's a route when it's going to run. Baseball yep. could run three, three and a half, and it feels like it's three, three and a half. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old, or pretty close to a three-year-old and a one-year-old. My time is a lot more difficult for me to give up that time. And it's not thing against you or it's just a fact of life. Well, you know, you take the good, you take the bad, you take it all in there, you have the fact of life. That is the fact of life. <laughs> for, those, for those that are unaware, I just yeah. actually quoted the theme song, The Fact of Life. Which is a show, yep. yeah, which because is a the show way back. We've been living up to your dreams. Can't be the fact of life. The fact of life are all about you. They're all anyway. about you. <laughs> you. <laughs> okay, we're all getting right, silly. All right. we're, getting, we're, we're getting silly. But the, it, it, happened, it, it came on right after different strokes, which I'm not exactly sure would be a name of a show anymore is I think that, that, that show may be uh, that the name of that show yeah. may actually be uh, banned by all, by all channels. But anyway, so I have a hard time with your word niche sport. I don't think it'll ever get to be quote, a niche sport because you'll still have people like me and you'll still have the fathers of the sons. Jake's going to go to games, right? I mean, at some point, Jake will go to games because you'll take him to games. And then he'll take his, his, hopefully his family to games. So I think that you're right in that you're not getting the casual sports fan anymore, but I think you still get the, for lack of a better term, hereditary sports fan. Because baseball is it's as, it's as American as apple pie as Kevin Costner once said in the field of dreams. Yeah, but that was said 30 years ago, and times have changed. Maybe niche is not the correct word, but I don't see it, I don't see it hitting basketball levels any time in the near future. Football, it was... But people will come... But, Seth, people will yeah, come, it, Seth. Look, they built, it, they, they built it in Miami, and people didn't come. <laughs> 
Okay, so we have five uh, Are we more really going left. 80s movie quote for quote? No, we got five more minutes left. So uh, let me start out. When I was in college, at the same time Seth was in college in the 90s, Syracuse and Georgetown had an extremely heavy-duty rivalry between the two teams. And it would not be a shock if you would, if you would find any Syracuse alum at that point that would say, I hated Georgetown. Hated him. And I did too. I absolutely hated him. And one of those guys is Allen Iverson. And we made fun of Allen Iverson as Allen Iverson threw a bowling ball through at a bowling alley, through a window when he was in high school. And that was a shame. And then news comes about Victor Page. And this is not good news. Have, have you heard this? Victor Page is now disagreeing to a plea deal that will lock him behind bars for 20 years. He's 43 years old. Ooh, so he's our no. age. I didn't hear that. I didn't but hear here's, that. But here's, here's the other thing. Page was previously sentenced to 10 years in prison for second-degree assault in 2013 but was released, and now he's going back for 20 more years. The other thing that bothered me, not that those two things don't bother me, Seth, he's been arrested 33 times since he left college. Wow. I don't know if there's anything I've done 33 times since college. Yes, there is. Except go to the – well, I go to the gym every day. But, I mean – no, I mean, the point is – that's a lot of that's a lot of times to get not only to do something wrong, but to get arrested doing something wrong and actually caught and then let out and then do it again and do something else. And in between all that, he served 10 years in jail. So he didn't do this in 20 years. He's been arrested 33 times in 13 years. <laughs> I, Look, there's, I, I, there's, there's a line. There's a line from the from the show Bronx Tale. There's nothing in life worse than wasted talent, and this this is just sad. I mean, look, it's more sad for the woman that she, that he assaulted, but Victor Page is now going to jail. He has one eye because he got shot in his eye, and now he'll be serving the prob- twenty years to, twenty years in prison. It, it's just a sad case. Okay, Seth, you're up. On that note. Well, just like, wow, just to add on to that, um, I actually remember Victor watching a Victor Page interview in 1997. Jesus, I was, and listening. And I remember we were, I was watching with somebody else, and we were just saying, it's just, he. Not that I would ever thought thought I saw this coming, but man, it was it, you couldn't understand what he was saying. It was he just seemed in a different world. I'm sorry to see it kind of came to that. Uh, I we didn't get a chance to touch on actually, and I wish we did. I want to talk about it next week. You know, the, the media impact on Kevin Durant coming back, which I think was significant. But I think now you just give a shout out. How you know we talk about the greatest athletes in their sports, greatest at one thing in their sport. Rafael Nadal has won twelve French Opens. I believe his career record, and I could be wrong, is like eighty-five and two. Now, I think Nadal is probably the greatest player of all times. Better than Federer, better than Sampras. But as a minimum, and I realize tennis is a niche sport, there should be be some more worldwide acclaim, or at least American acclaim. Again, U.S. men's tennis is not exactly at a high point. But when someone has won, has been that amazing in such a big tournament, Think there should be. A, I think. I think there should be more of an acclaim for him. 
than he okay, received Seth, on, we'll, on we'll, a domestic we'll get, level. We'll, we'll get to this next week. For Seth Kamis, this is Sean Palmer. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good one, everybody.